Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This Thursday night we will be celebrating the holiday of Purim, the happiest po holiday of the Jewish faith. And, um, and it says in, the, in Megillat Esther, it says, And to the Jews was light, happiness, joy, and prestige. And so Purim means about being different. It's, a, it's about not being like everybody else. Uh, we wear masks, we wear costumes, people get drunk to the point they don't know who's good, who's bad, who's Mordechai and who's Haman. And, uh, and we know that there's a singularity in the Jewish people. Haman complained to the king Ahasuerus, the king of, of Persia, and he said to him that there exists a singular nation, a singular nation, he singled us out, scattered and divided among the nations in all the provinces of their kingdom, whose laws are different from those of all nations. And this is in the book of Esther, Megillat Esther. And so a singular nation, and this they have been saying about the Jewish people since we exist. Even before we were the Jewish people in Egypt, when we were the Israelites and we were slaves, we were singled out, we were different. We have always been different. Abraham Avinu, our forefather, he was called an Ivrit, the one from the other side. He was singled out, he was different. So we see here that, that uh, Haman points this out to the king, to King Ahasuerosh. And uh, King Ahasuerosh agreed. And he agreed that they were different and unique despite their dispersion. We had been exiled from, from Israel, from, uh, from Sion. The, the first temple had been destroyed uh, for a few, a few um, decades already. And so he destroyed, he decreed to destroy the Jew Jewish people. And so the Jewish response to Haman was a very surprising response. You would think that people would start to become more assimilated, they would try to be more like the Persians, so they wouldn't single them out, so they wouldn't be decreed to be killed. But exactly the opposite happened. The opposite, complete opposite happened. Before this decree, the Jewish people in Persia were very much assimilated. And suddenly, when the Pinkeleit was attacked, that spark of a Jew was attacked, then the uniqueness and the singularity of the Jewish people came out. And so after relating the story of, of Haman's downfall, how he uh, fell, and, and the Israeli victory, the victory of Israel. The book of Esther, Megillat Esther, sums up the miracle of Purim in one sentence. At the end it says, and to the Jews there was light, happy, was light, happiness, joy, and prestige. This is how we end reading Megillat Esther. And the Talmud interprets these uh, words and gives reference to four primary things, uh, features of our singularity of what makes a Jew different from the rest of the world. And so the four things that are alluded in this phrase that says, and, the Jews, and to the Jews was light, happiness, joy, and prestige, is the Torah, the festivals, circum circumcision, and Tehillim. And Tehillim, I'm sorry. 
so there are of course 630 mitzvot we have 248 positive mitzvahs that we run to do and then we have 365 mitzvot that we abstain from doing obviously there's a lot of things we do but Jewish faith singles out these four uh, things these four features the Torah the festivals the, the circumcision and the tefillin because these are things that are very unique to the Jewish people and so as a fact uh, we can discuss we could even argue that why are they so singular to the Jewish people like we know that Torah, Torah is knowledge, Torah is wisdom, Torah is learning, it's uh, studying and we know that the scholarship is not something that is unique to the Jewish people other, other cultures and other religions are also people that like to learn, like to study. There's many philosophies in the world. There's many uh, intellectual pursuits in the world. Uh, and we would even come to say that every community and culture has its creed and philosophy. Everyone believes what they believe and they're and they, they believe what they believe. And, and we could say that, we could, they could be even argued that the Torah is not the unique uh, philosophy of the world. So the festivals are also something that could be argued. Uh, there's, it's a common feature in other societies. We see that uh, other religions are celebrating different holidays. We celebrate Hanukkah and some people celebrate Kwamsai and other people celebrate Christmas. And we see in the same uh, month all these different holidays coming out. And, uh, and Jews eat matzah on, on Pesach, and, and we sound the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, we eat cheesecake in Shavuot. But the concept of a festival or that date that is designated to com commemorate the observance of, uh, of something that was special for a certain culture or religion or community is a universal idea. This is not something that is only for the Jews. Every nation, culture, and religion has its calendar of dates that mark the, the historical events and they celebrate them and commemorate them and they're very important. So the same is true about tefillim. Tefillim are the, 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 the straps that men wrap around their, their arm and they put these boxes in, in, the, in, the, in the head. And, um, and, and we would say, yeah, only Jewish people bind these leather boxes and straps on their arms and head as a symbol of commitment to God. Because it is a, a commitment, we say, the man says, Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Ehad. But again, the concept of, of, of commitment to, to God is not a Jewish concept. That, that it, you can see it in other religions too. We see that when a woman is married to a man, she puts on a ring showing that she's committed to a man. We see that a soldier wears a uniform. He's committed to serving his country, and we see a doctor putting on his white coat. He's committed to his, to his profession, and, and so on. And all these are signs worn as demonstrations of people's allegiance and commitment to a certain area of their lives. So the tefillim, really, we wouldn't say like this is only like commitment, only Jewish people have commitment. We couldn't say that. And so for circumcision, the Brit Milah, it's also a fairly common procedure 
in the world, like babies are born in the hospital before they leave, they, they are circumcised for health reasons. So, and we have the Islam, the, the Muslims, they circumcise when they're 13 years old. So it's not something that is unique to the Jewish people. And yet the Torah, the festivals, the tefillim, and the circumcision, as the book of Esther refers to them, are light, happiness, joy, and prestige. And so are the cornerstones of Jewish distinction. And true other nations and societies have similar or virtually identical elements in their cultures and their doctrines and their ways of life, but the Jewish experience is a unique experience in the, in the, in the, in the, in the way in which these elements differ, the intention of the use of these elements differs from the intention of our other universal counterparts. So we see here that, that the Jews, we're gonna see how these, these ideas are different. How does the Jew Torah differ from universal concept of learning and scholarship? Why is it different? Why is it different when a person learns Torah as when a person is learning another, uh, another faith or another uh, philosophy? So the key lies in the book of Esther, uh, the choice of the Hebrew word aura. It uses the word light when it's talking about Torah, light. Light aura, this word aura is used in a feminine form of light. Um, as reference to Torah. So all wisdoms whose function is to il illuminate and enlighten the world because uh, knowledge is power, knowledge is light. But there is a masculine light in the world, in the Kabbalah it's explained, there's a masculine light and there's a feminine light. So the masculine light is a self-generated light. It's, a, it's, a, it's aggressive and it comes from, from the intellectual pursuit of, of the knowledge. The feminine light is different, is a receptive. It's not an intellectual pursuit. Masculine, masculine intellect is the mind exploring the unknown, is chokmah, is wisdom, is that spark of light, that flash of insight that, that a person has. And then the woman, the feminine aspect of life is Bina, which is understanding, is to trickle down the knowledge and be able to make it your own, to, that it becomes you. So we see here that the feminine intellect is the mind opening itself to receive from a higher source. So the masculine is what, what do I know? It's about me and my knowledge and me giving. And the feminine aspect is about me being a receptive, a receptacle for light. To be able to empty myself, to receive the, the knowledge of Hashem and not, need, not have a need to intellectualize it, to make it an intellect pursuit, but on the contrary, the feminine aspect of the intellect is to become a medium, to become a, a, a vessel of spreading the, the truth of the Torah. So 
to study Torah's first and foremost the surrender to a revelation of divine truth. It's to surrender, to nullify yourself, to make one's mind a receptacle for wisdom and, and the will of Hashem. And the mind of the Torah sage is not a generator of ideas when you talk to a Torah scholar. When you hear me giving you a Torah class, I'm not giving you my ideas and what I think and what I believe. And, I'm not talking about, it has nothing to do with me. I'm just um, a conduit between the knowledge of Hashem and the world. I'm just bringing down the truth of the Torah and giving it to you. But it has nothing to do with my intellect. It's all the, 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 the truth, the emet the of the Torah. The mind of the Torah sage is not a generation of ideas, but a womb that receives the divine truth and then develops it as a rationally structured principle and law. So the universal function of the festivals or holidays uh, is to celebrate and com commemorate the past. This is when people, Veterans Day, Labor Day, uh, Christmas or Easter, any of these re uh, holidays are really re re a reminder of what happened so many, so many years ago. But in reality, the Jewish experience is a very different experience because our calendar is not a flat calendar, it's a round calendar. So we believe that the energy that sustains a certain day, is, it, it's, it goes like this. So when a holiday falls on the 15th of Nisan, for example, Passover falls the same day every year in the Jewish calendar, that the energy of that day is the same exact energy that was going on when the Jewish people left Egypt uh, 3,000 something years ago. So what we're we are relieving the energy of that time of exodus, of freedom, of, of leaving mistrying, leaving our con constrictions. So when we're celebrating Passover that's going to come in a month, we clean our house, we get rid of the hametz. It's a whole preparation. We do all these things that are very material aspects, like cleaning, 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 but in reality, they're tapping into the deepest part of our soul. And it's allowing us to get rid of our ego, to get rid of our uh, predispositions, our conceptions, all these things, and it's allowing us to be able to nullify ourselves and be zero egocentric so we can really experience freedom. So once a year, we tap into this energy of freedom and it's like a vitamin that you're taking uh, in this uh, 15, eight days, 10 days, plus the days that you were cleaning. It's like a, a power boost. It's like a, a vitamin that you're taking for the rest of the year. So the Jew does not merely remember Passover. We, we, it's not a remembrance day. It's really through keeping Passover, through keeping this holiday and, and rejoicing in it and, 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 and going through the holiday. In reality, every Jew is going through their own personal exodus at this time of the year. So the same is true with the giving of the Torah on Shavuot, the, the, the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah. All these dates for us are really um, a vitamin 
that we take for the rest of the year. The energy of that time is conducive to forgiveness, to, to crowning the king, to doing all these things. It really takes us to, to, that, to that place. So a festival is a very happy occasion, but at the same time, it's a spiritual endeavor. So the Jew also transcends the present on his festivals, and for him too, this is a source of joy. But it's not an escapist joy, it's a disciplined joy. It's a disciplined joy that shatters all external barriers and amplifies and, and puts the focus on the things that we have to work on. It gives us responsibility and accountability and commitment. So we see here that the, the holiday of Purim, which we're going to be celebrating Thursday night and Friday during the day, a Jew is commanded to drink until he's drunk and until he cannot distinguish between cursed is a man and blessed is Mordechai. And this is a very strange concept. We are not at all, Jewish people are not um, supposed to be drunk. We should never be drunk. This is not part of our religion. Some people do it, but it's not really what we're, it's advocated. People have to be responsible and they have to be in their right minds. But the drinking in Purim, that's, it's, it's one day in which it is allowed. Just let go, let go. You know, we have a human nature. We have an animal within ourselves. And sometimes you have to let that animal go out in a, in a, in a, in a disciplined and contained way. So, uh, so we see here that pouring and the pouring drunk is a sight worthy of beholding, emotionally inhibited, yet morally controlled, and rationally incoherent, yet spiritually true. So circumcision is fairly a common practice. This is something that most people do nowadays for health reasons. It's a very common practice. But what is unique about the Jew is that to him the circumcision itself is perceived as something positive and desirable. So most people that are not in the Jewish faith, they're doing their circumcision for health reasons and they measure the benefits against uh, whatever is not and they think about the future and it's it's a hundred percent it's safer for a man not to have a circumcision so they decide to do it but the Jew doesn't do it for health reasons we do it because it's a commandment of the Torah it's something that we have to do and for us it's something that is desirable like it's unbelievable to see that you see a Jew that is not a religious Jew, that doesn't keep anything, he's, maybe he's traditional, but nevertheless, when his baby is born, eight days later, he's circumcising his baby. Like, it doesn't make anything, it's, it, it, any sense. It's completely irrational. It doesn't make any sense. There's a story of a rabbi that once received a phone call from a woman in Israel, and she called him and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, are you a Mohel? Are you a Mohel? Mohel is a rabbi that does the circumcision. I just took your number out of the yellow pages. And he says, yes, I'm a Mohel. She says, I need a rabbi, a Mohel, to come and circumcise my son. Uh, on Wednesday, it's his eighth day, and I need someone to come and do the circumcision. And he said, okay, I'll come. And he says, what's the address, everything? So he, he writes it down. And 
then Wednesday comes and he comes ready to do the, the Brit Milah to this baby. And when he comes, he sees it. it's not a shul, it's not in a synagogue, it's, it's all buildings, homes. He sees what this is strange. So he goes into the building and he rings the doorbell. And this lady opens up and she's with rollers on her head and still in a, in a robe. And she has the baby in her hand, in her arms. And she says to him, look, Rabbi, I have to go to work. Here is the baby and you do the circumcision for him. I have to go. He says, but, but sorry, lady, this is a Brit Milah. Like, how, why do you have to go? He says, I have to go to work. I have to go to work. And here is the baby and you take care of him. And so the lady left. She went to work. She left him with the baby. She says at 11 o'clock in the morning, the babysitter is going to come and you can leave. And so she wrote him the check and she left. And the, the rabbi was like stunned. Like what happened here? Like what's going on? Like he couldn't even believe it. So he first he had to get his act together, like calm himself. He prayed a lot, prayed a lot, prayed a lot. And then finally he did the breed mila for the baby and 11 o'clock came and this lady came to take care of the baby and he left and he never knew anything else about that baby. 13 years later, he receives a phone call and he says, Rabbi, do you remember me? And the rabbi says, who are you? He says, 13 years ago, you came and did a Brit Milah for my son. I left him in your arms and I went to work and I left him with you. And the, and the rabbi says, yeah, for sure. How am I going to forget this? Like, this is unforgettable. And says, what did you do to my child? So the rabbi says, what are you talking about? What did I do to your child? I did a Brit Milah. He says, no, but you did something else to my child. And he says, well, while I was waiting for the babysitter, I sat down and I did a lot of the healing and I cried a lot for your child that he should grow in the ways of Torah and, and Masim Tovim and he should go to Hupa. And so she says, now I understand. And he says, explain to me. He says, now he's 13 years old. He's going to be bar mitzvah. And suddenly he tells me he wants to go to a yeshiva and he wants to be religious. So... This mitzvah of, of circumcision is really supra-rational. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's really, it comes from the, from the most deepest connection of a Jew to Hashem. A person can be completely secular and believe in nothing, but when time comes to be, the mother would never even wonder not to do a Brit Milah for her son. So we see here that the, the bris is compared to joy. To joy and prestige and so then we have the, the the black boxes and the fourth definer of Jewish uniqueness which are the tefillin black leather boxes containing scrolls inscribed in them with the words of the Shema Israel and it really puts in it puts the relationship in place and the tefillin stand out in their austere simplicity we see that other cultures have things, symbols that identify them, that are very, very uh, worked on and very gold and inscribed and very precious things. But we see that, that the feelings stand out because they're very simple. They're these black leather boxes. They have nothing special on them. And, they, and, and we see that the Torah mandates to be unadorned. They have to be unadorned and painted black. And so for, for the tefillin conveyed not pride, they're humble, there's humbleness in them. 
but the true subjugation of his mind and his heart and deeds to the Almighty. This is what it is. Because at the end of the day, if a Jew has no humility, he can never give himself to Hashem completely. The first ingredient is humility. And yes, the feeling are the prestige of a Jew. This is what makes him prestigious. And, um, but the Jew's prestige does not lend itself to aesthetic depiction. It doesn't come from gold rims and gold clothes and all this. The prestige of a Jew comes from his humbleness and his servitude to God. And in the binding of this intellect, his intellect, emotions, and talents to the supernal will. So Purim celebrates the salvation of a singular people a people whose learning, festivities, sacrifices, and badge of honor are so similar yet so unique in the family of man. And so we, we see here, as we began this shiur, we finish, and the light is Torah, happiness are the festivals, joy, circumcision, and prestige are the tefillim. This is in Talmud, I mean Megillah. And as we began in Megillah Ster, it says, and, the Jews, and, and to the Jews was light, happiness, joy, and prestige. So I want to wish you a haksameh, a happy Purim. Be proud of who you are. Stand strong and firm. And know that you're a singular people, that you're a special people. Not because you are special, because Hashem desired you to be special. He gave us all these things to make us unique. And we should always stand proud and happy to be who we are. And be lamplighters to the world. Bring light to everything around us and everybody around us. So remember, live a little higher. Thank you.